Hey everyone, welcome back. This will be the last video I'm doing on baptism, and this is the third part of the baptism of sufferings. And in this video, we're going to go through persecution. And, uh, you know, when I, when I look at um, North American Christianity and, and kind of uh, a lot of the times our view on persecution, it's quite negative. And it's something that I, I find a lot of people fear. And I do understand that because, you know, it can be a scary thing uh, when you're going to be imprisoned or beaten or, you know, killed. Uh, for what you believe, but I, I want to encourage you that the, the Bible has a lot to say about persecution, and it has often a very opposite thing to say than, than we feel uh, sometimes when we think about persecution. And, and persecution is actually an incredible blessing. It is not a negative thing. It's actually a beautiful thing, and that might mess with your mind a little bit. Um, but, but if we look at the eternal rewards of suffering and we look at the the, uh, the, the way the, the word uh, describes persecution and the benefits of going through it, it's like, no, we should be like super pumped when we go through persecution. It is an honor, it is a blessing, and Jesus is absolutely worthy of it. And in fact, persecution won't even necessarily come unless we've been found worthy to go through it. Worthy to go through it and that's where we kind of need our minds renewed around this topic because it's a blessing That's not just lighted handed out lightly um, And we'll see that in scripture and so I'm going to go through a number of scriptures with you I'm going to go through a number of stories with you of amazing men and women from the past who have gone through persecution and uh, you know persecution has always been here uh, and, and you know ever since Jesus has died the, the church has absolutely been persecuted and it's been persecuted by many different uh, groups including the church itself if you can believe it the religious church has absolutely persecuted um, uh, the true church the, the disciples of Christ and we see that throughout history and we'll even see it um, in some of the stories I share with you but uh, the the first principle that I want to bring your attention to uh, when it comes to um, persecution is found in the book of Acts and it's Acts um, 2.47. Uh, it, it says something interesting. It says that numbers were added to the church. So, so there was these numbers, these believers that were being daily added uh, to the church. But then it, uh, the language change, changes in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 and it says, and then the numbers were multiplied to the church. They were multiplied. So Acts 2.47 numbers are added to the church, but then Acts 6.1 numbers are multiplied to the church. And if you do a, a, a look in between those chapters, the only difference uh, or only change we see happening to the church between those two chapters of, of people being multiplied and people being added is actually persecution. Persecution hits and it has the opposite effect that the enemy uh, would like it to have. But he has no self-control so he does it anyway and he persecutes and he persecutes and he stirs up hatred in people and um, uh, to, to uh, persecute the church. And we see in this principle that persecution actually causes the, the numbers in the church to be multiplied, to be multiplied. That's the only difference between Acts 2.47 and Acts 6.1 is that the numbers went from being added to multiplied because of persecution. And so it's this spiritual principle that we'll see um, throughout history and, and in the word where innocent bloodshed, um, when there's the, the, the shedding of blood of martyrs that die for the sake of Christ, it is actually their blood is almost like seed that goes into the ground and causes great growth in the church to, play, to take place. And it's like God pours out his justice uh, on the earth and on the church and causes a, 
uh, a great harvest to come because of the innocent bloodshed. And so persecution actually multiplies the church. It doesn't decrease it, it increases it. And this is even seen in modern places like China, uh, where there's been great persecution, the church has exploded, um, you know, in, in, in even more modern times, uh, like as in right now happening, is the church of Iran. It's the fastest growing church in the world, and the persecution in Iran is intense. You, you uh, receive Christ, and it's, it's, you do it knowing that it may uh, cost you your life. It might even cost you your life very soon. Could be that day, could be that week could be that year you don't know but in Iran the persecution is very real and yet it's where the church is growing fastest and so we see this principle also being played out um, in modern times because it's a biblical principle it's timeless and so uh, that's one of the neat things about persecution is that it multiplies the church uh, and that's something we need to understand and so one of the scriptures I want to bring uh, your attention to first is is Jesus speaking and he's describing persecution and it's in Matthew 5 verse 10 to 12 he, he says Jesus says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and I want to focus on that verse for a minute, guys. It says, great is your reward in heaven. That's something that we, we really need to grasp and understand as Christians, that when we become believers, and I'm, I'm going to do a whole other video on eternal rewards because I've noticed a real lacking of understanding in, in, the, in the church, um, just at large, not everywhere, but at large, where we're, we're really lacking uh, the importance of how we live as Christians. And a lot of times in North America, we just have this kind of mindset or opinion that, you know, I've said my prayer to go to heaven, you know, I'm gonna attend church and I'll just give a bit of money here and I'll just try and be a good person and I got my ticket so when I die, I know where I'm going and I'll just kind of live for me the rest of the time and, you know, yay God, I got my ticket. And they actually still live quite selfish lives, <laughs> if I could be frank. And, um, and they're, they're not actually yielded to Jesus and surrendered and following him. And so I'm not uh, saying that you know, they're not going to be in heaven. Um, but how, how we spend eternity is a really big deal. Not just where we spend it, but how we spend it is a really big deal. And the New Testament is full of explaining that there are eternal rewards uh, for how we live as Christians now. And so I'm not going to get into all that because that's a whole other video. But you'll notice that Jesus is saying, great is your reward in heaven. If we can have a great reward in heaven, we could also have a not so great reward in heaven or no reward in heaven. And so we actually see this language throughout the New Testament where it talks about different degrees of reward, if you will. And one of the great rewards that we have in heaven is if we're persecuted for Christ's sake and for righteousness sake. So, you know, just as a side note, notice it says for righteousness sake. It doesn't say for the sake of, you know, making a stupid choice <laughs> or being foolish. It says for righteousness sake and for Christ's sake. So we're following Jesus and we're, we're following him in wisdom and obedience. And so there's going to be places he asks us to go. There's going to be things he asks us to do. And they're going to go against the grain. They're going to go against the grain of culture. And they're going to put our lives into possibly some different predicaments. Um, but that's amazing. And we're actually to rejoice when we get persecuted. And if I could be really honest, a lot of the times in the church, I see us get really offended, hurt, upset, angry, feeling like your rights have been violated or any of that stuff I don't see rejoicing and I don't and I believe we're not seeing that rejoicing very much because we don't understand this 
that we need to rejoice. We need to be Christ-like when Jesus is all his flesh is hanging off his naked body and he's crucified on that cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's like Stephen, the first apostle who was stoned to death in the New Testament. You know, they pick up these stones and they start stoning him because he preached the gospel at them and they really didn't like it. And, and he's dying and he, sees, he lifts up his eyes to heaven and he sees the glory of heaven. He sees Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father and he's so aware of the glory, he doesn't even see the persecution. He's just like, Jesus. And he's saying, do not count this against them and receive my spirit. Right? And so uh, Stephen is just this amazing man of God who also is saying the same thing because he's Christ-like. Do not count this against them. Don't count this against them and receive my spirit. And so um, there is a great reward in heaven reserved for us for eternity that is in incredible and beautiful and powerful and comes only through persecution. And so persecution is a blessing. It's an absolute blessing, and we're to rejoice when persecution takes place and when it happens, and it's a theme all throughout uh, the Bible. And so um, uh, the next verse I want to look at just uh, quickly is 2 Timothy 3.12, and it says this. It says, yes, and all, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, will suffer persecution, all who desire to live godly. And so, guys, it's important that, you know, whether persecution is coming in the form of, you know, the government starting to uh, shut, trying to shut churches down and have control and all this stuff, or whether it's just you and your job site, and it's just you being a believer and shining and being a light, and your coworkers are making fun of you and mocking you, and, you know, because you won't go drinking with them on the weekends, or you're not checking out girls like they are, or checking out guys, or whatever it may be in your workplace. Um, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not conforming to the world. You look different. You sound different. You don't talk like everyone talks. And so there might be a, a persecution that comes against you. And it could be social persecution. It could be family persecution, relational persecution, physical persecution, uh, mental persecution. You know, it, it can, persecution can come in many, many different forms. But regardless of how it comes, Jesus says rejoice and be pumped that you um, are, are being persecuted for his namesake, for great is your reward in heaven. So I want to encourage you that the response, the biblical response to persecution is joy. It's joy. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared and terrified and what are they going to do to me? No, it's what can man do to me? I'm so in Christ and I'll, I use absolutely worth going through this for and great is my reward in heaven and I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him because he's worthy of suffering for. Jesus came and suffered through everything for me and now I want to be willing to go through and suffer in anything for him because he's worth it. He loved me that way and now by grace I desire to love him in just the same way. And so that's the heart that we're, that we're to have as believers. And you know, there was a, uh, an interesting story from a man named Thomas More. And he lived in the 1500s. And uh, Thomas More was this very like uh, outgoing, cheerful, and just happy guy. And he went to um, a, a monastery in his, as a young man for four years. And he was a, a believer. And he noticed that in the church that they were beginning to um, or not really beginning, but they had for a while 
been falling into a lot of error in what they were believing and it was getting really messy in the church and the church was becoming less and less Christ-like. And so he wanted to confront that stuff and so, but he wanted to do it in a subtle way and he wanted to do it, he wanted to do it from within the church. And, and so um, he got out of the monastery and decided to get into politics. And he was so liked um, by everyone that he uh, actually ended up becoming the Lord Counselor um, of, of England, of all England. And this is in the, again in the 1500s. And um, the, the king ruling at the time was King Henry VIII. And he was a, a pretty prideful man and uh, got, got, you know, just really hungry for power. And so he went to kind of all his, his subjects in, in his kingdom in England, and he wanted to get them all to uh, pr uh, profess an oath before him that not only did they acknowledge him as the king of England, but they also acknowledged him as the head of the church. Uh, which of course was ridiculous, um, you know, because only Jesus is the head of the church. But this King Henry VIII was trying to um, get complete power, and he wanted to have he wanted to have all the authority. And Thomas More refused. He said, "There's like, there's no way, there's no way I can uh, I can take that oath. That would be to deny Christ uh, his rightful place. There's no man that is the head of the church. Only Christ is, as Scripture says." And so he refused. And so uh, because of that, they actually ordered that he had to be executed. And when he was before the court and they gave this uh, decree that he was to be executed, this is what he replied uh, in response to his, to his sentence. He said, I have nothing more to say, my lords, but that just as the blessed apostle St. Paul, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles, was present and consented to the, to the death of St. Stephen, and kept the coats of those who stoned him to death, and yet they are both together holy saints in heaven, and shall continue to be friends there forever. So I truly trust, and shall right-heartedly pray, that though your lordships have now here on earth been my condemning judges, we may hereafter meet right merrily together in heaven again, and enjoy our everlasting salvations together. And thus I desire Almighty God, to preserve and, de and defend the king's majesty and to send him good counsel. And that's what his response to being sentenced was. He was just so full of mercy and compassion. And they um, led him to be uh, executed. He was gonna have his head chopped off. And they gave him a moment to speak. And in his last moment to speak to uh, the crowd publicly, the audience that had gathered to watch him die, uh, he had, had said, I, I, I die a good servant of the king but before that, a servant of God. And that's why he was being killed. And said that he was so lighthearted and so happy when he was being uh, led up to being executed, he was even joking around with, uh, with the major lieutenant who was, who was on site for the execution. And he looked, at the, um, he looked at his executioner, and this is what he said to him right before, he, right before he died. He said, today you will do me a great favor than all other mortal men is able to do for me. Pluck up your spirit, man, and don't be afraid to do your duty. Now, my neck is very short, so please take heed, therefore, to strike true. <laughs> and that's what he said to the executioner. And the executioner did strike true. And with one cut, his, his head was severed on July 6, uh, 1536. And he died a martyr with a smile on his face and ready to die. And so, you know, there's just this, 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 these amazing people who have gone before us, who have left us as an example. And we're gonna sh I'm gonna share a few more with you. Um, 
but I just love his his attitude that he wasn't he wasn't trying to you know stir up strife in the church. He, his heart was to like, man, I see the church going astray. I'm not looking for trouble, but I desire to live godly. I'm going to live godly. And then because you know, like it says in Timothy in the verse I read, that those who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. That's not to be afraid of it. It's to be prepared for it. And that's what I want to do in this video to the best of my ability is I want you prepared for, su for suffering persecution because I honestly believe that the days are coming and are increasing when, when the reality of persecution coming to North America is getting stronger and stronger and more real and more real. And we need to be ready as a body, not afraid, totally pumped and ready to endure and never deny. Uh, the Lord. And so I want us to be ready for that. And so this video is just about what does the Bible say about persecution. Let's look at some amazing people who've gone before us and given us an example to follow. And I will say this when it comes to persecution and all the stories I've read, this is a really good key, that I've noticed that there's far more torment in the fear of persecution than there is in the persecution itself. And I say that because uh, in the moment persecution actually hits, God's grace comes upon you and he empowers you to go through something you could never go through in your own strength. So it's often the fear of persecution that is way more of a torment than the actual persecution itself because God's grace comes when the persecution begins. And so it's just important to understand that. Um, so uh, in Acts uh, 5, 40 um, verses, uh, yeah, 40 to 42, sorry. Uh, there's an amazing story about the apostles when they're persecuted and the first time they're persecuted and this is their response and it gives us insight into persecution and in how we can respond and that it comes upon those who are worthy, which is a really um, a powerful thing. So it's a blessing and a privilege and an honor, not a bummer and something to be afraid of. And this is what it says. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, so that's the Pharisees um, who had also uh, crucified Jesus, um, so they're called for the apostles, they've beaten them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Jesus as the Christ. And I love that because they're warned very strictly like, hey guys, if you keep preaching this, we are going to beat you. If you keep saying this, we are going to absolutely torment you and, and torture you. And, and they went away from that after being beaded, rejoicing. They, were, they listened to the words of Jesus. They counted it all joy. And they rejoiced being found worthy to suffer for his namesake. And they're like, yes, we took a beating for Jesus. We were found worthy. Thank you. God and they're grateful and they're full of joy with their backs beat open raw and that's the response and the heart and the mentality that we need as Christians today we need to buck up we need to be in love with Jesus and we need to be prepared to suffer for his namesake and and to understand that if we do we've been found worthy we've been found worthy and so it's not something to avoid it's something to actually ask for and desire because the rewards will speak forever. The suffering's but for a moment, but the eternal, the eternal rewards will speak for just that, eternity. You know, there was another man in um, uh, Japan, and his name was Michael Nakashima, and he uh, uh, was a um, believer in, uh, in the 1600s. And 
they uh, planning on torturing him and they wanted him to deny Christ. And uh, this is what he said. He said, tear me to pieces and rip my soul from my body, but you will never force that detestable word of denial from my mouth. And on Christmas day of 19, or of, uh, Christmas day of 1628, they poured boiling water over his head and over his body until he died. And the whole time he refused to deny Christ. And he said, I would rather you tear me to pieces than let me uh, confess that despicable thing of denying Jesus as my Lord. And he was a wise man. He was a very wise man. Because I think we, um, we need to really also have an understanding, guys, that in the midst of persecution, you cannot deny Christ. You cannot deny Christ. There is not a grace to deny him. And I want to make that very clear. We need to stay strong and be obedient unto the point of death. And I'll show you why. It tells us in 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 to 12, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And that's something we need to understand, guys. Like we, that's, that's in your Bible. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew. I'll show you that verse a little later on. But it's just something really important to understand that, that we endure. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. And this Japanese man understood this. And he was like, you just tear my body apart, rip the soul right out of me. I will go through anything before I'll deny my Lord because he understood this principle. And he was boiled in hot water alive um, until he died and he did not refuse him. And I tell you right now, he will never uh, remember the pain and torment that he went through in light of where he is right now, which is going to speak forever and ever. And I guarantee you, if he could come back and do it again, he would without even thinking twice because of where he is and what he understands and the reward that comes from not denying him and staying faithful unto death. And so again, just a, another real story that we need to understand that we, there is not grace to deny him. Don't think you can deny him and then just get away with it. If you deny him, then he will also deny you. That's in your Bible in the New Testament. So um, I'm just saying that because it's, it's important for you to understand uh, that we don't have room for that. So we have to stay faithful to the end. And that, that I'm sharing this because this is part of being prepared. This is part of understanding how we need to go through persecution. And so we can absolutely do it with joy where there is no fear. And if you do fear, feel fear, that's okay. Give that to God. Commune with God. Be like, Father, I do want to go through this for your great name's sake. And I do see that those who are found worthy go through it. But Father, it makes me a bit afraid. And I'm asking that you would just cause your love to come into my heart, that you would cast out that fear. And when the time comes and if the day comes, that you would so give me grace to endure, to never deny your name, and to follow you even under the point of death because I love you and you're worth it. You pray that stuff and you pray those prayers. That's, start of the, that's, that's starting to prepare. That's you beginning to... Uh, prepare for persecution, which is a beautiful thing, guys. Again, it's a blessing. And so um, this, again, is just we need to understand this in part of our preparation uh, for going through persecution. Don't ever deny him and ask him to give you love and courage uh, to displace the fear because he doesn't have fear for you. He has courage and strength. And so 
Um, the next verse I want to look at is in 2 Corinthians 11. And uh, I'm probably going to do another, well, I am going to do a whole other video on healing. But uh, there's been a bad theology that's come out of this verse. It's, it's going to get into the, the thorn that was in Paul's flesh. And a lot of people have argued, well, we don't know what the thorn in Paul's flesh was. A lot of people, you know, think it was sickness. Um, but I just want to encourage you that the Bible tells us very, very clearly what the thorn in Paul's flesh was. And I'm just not going to get into it like crazy in, in this video. I might do that in another video. But it's very clearly persecution and tribulation. It's not sickness. It's persecution and tribulation. And so this is what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. It, Paul, Paul's speaking here. He's like, hey guys, like I'm going through it. He says, I'm in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. He was beat open and whipped um, with his back torn open five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I have been in the deep, in the sea. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides all the other things which come upon me daily, which is my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Paul's like, I'm getting pummeled for what I believe, man. They're hitting me again and again and again, and I'm getting pummeled for what I believe. But Jesus is king and he's with me. And he's like, three times I asked the Lord to take this away from me, Lord. Take this thorn of my flesh, these persecutions, these beatings, these perils, these dangers. God, would you just remove this from me? And the Lord responds to him later in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. Jesus responds to Paul asking him to stop these things. It's like, you know, God, would you back me up a little bit? I'm just trying to share the gospel. And every time I do, I'm getting pummeled. Like, could you help me, God? And this is how Jesus responds to him. He says in verse 9, he said to, Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So Jesus is saying, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul's like, oh man, that's an amazing revelation. I get it. He's like, man, when I'm, when I'm weak, then your strength is perfected in me and your grace is so sufficient. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weakness, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. He's now saying, I take pleasure in persecutions. Before I'm asking God to deliver me of it, before I really understood this and my heart really grasped this, this revelation uh, of persecution, I, 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 I didn't get it and I was asking you to deliver me from it, but now I get it, Lord. Don't remove that thorn. I, it's a good thing. When I'm weak, then your strength is perfected in me. It's right and good that I'm weak so you can be strong in me and it's about grace. Um, and the power of God in my life. And therefore, I will take pleasure, Paul says, pleasure 
in persecutions. Again, rejoicing uh, in that. That's the heart posture and the attitude that we're called to have as Christians and absolutely can have when we get this revelation that in our weakness, Christ's strength is perfected. And it's a beautiful thing. And so Paul's, uh, we see that Paul no longer is asking to be delivered from persecutions and sufferings. In fact, uh, between four and eight years later, he writes the book of Colossians. And this is what he says to the Colossians after he has this revelation from Jesus in Colossians 1.24. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul's saying, I now am rejoicing in my sufferings. I have the revelation. I get it. I get what this is unto. I get how important this is. I get the eternal rewards that are there. I understand why persecution is so necessary and what is forming in me and what I'm, what I'm making up that's actually lacking in the church and other people who aren't willing to go through it. I'll go through it, Lord. I'm now rejoicing that I'm going through it. I'm not asking you to deliver me from it. I'm asking uh, that you give me strength as I go through it and rejoice it. That's what Paul's now saying. And, you know, he, he continues going on in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 17 to 18. He says this, for our, in the, in the light of what, what he has said and what Paul's going through, keep in mind all that, all the, that whole list I read of all the stuff uh, Paul's going through, you know, we, we would have like one thing on that list might happen to us and we would feel like we might fall apart. Look at Paul's entire list and it's not by his strength. It's by the grace uh, that he is receiving from Christ because he's in union and communion with Jesus and he's following the call of God on his life. And so it's just important to see that in the midst of all these things happening, he calls them light afflictions. Uh, verses 17, it says, For our light affliction is but for a moment, and it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so again, just Paul saying, man, in our light affliction, like I'm getting beat and whipped and shipwrecked and my, my feet are being beaten and I'm being stoned. I'm being betrayed by other Christians. Uh, I'm, I'm in fastings and nakedness and hungry and I'm going through it, man. Uh, and he's saying, yet this is just a light affliction. It's just light and momentary affliction and it is working an exceedingly great weight in glory uh, in heaven and it's so worth going through it's so worth going through it's just a light affliction it's just for a little while and again guys this is the attitude and perspective we need to have we get so fixed uh, on this world and we get so focused on having our blessings in this world and having the full vats and barns and man I'm, I'm not against that stuff but I am if it gets in the way of actually uh, realizing why we're really here, which is to love Jesus and to become like him and to shine like him and to follow him whithersoever he goes and not love our own lives unto death. And so it's just important that we get the right attitude and perspective as we go through this, that, that this, is a, this is a joy and a blessing. Um, and you know, there's uh, the man I mentioned in my last video, Arthur Blessed. Uh, there's also incredible uh, protection in what God calls us to do at times. You know, there's going to be persecution that we might go through um, where people do try to kill us or they do come after us, but God 
If it's not our time, God will supernaturally also protect us. And we need to understand that as well, that we're not going. If we're being obedient to Christ and we're following him, the safest place to ever be is in the will of God. It's like Peter when he was on that boat and that crazy storm's blowing and Jesus is walking on the water. Peter is far safer being outside the boat on the water with Jesus than he is in the boat without Jesus. You are the safest when you are in God's will and you're where he wants you to be. And you can go through incredible dangers, but in the will of God, he will protect and preserve you. And even if you do die for his sake, great is your reward in heaven. So seriously, you cannot lose. You are a winner and a victorious one either way. Whether God delivers you or whether you die for him, it's like, yay, we have already received the victory. We just need to walk in it. And so it's this amazing invitation that leaves us and keeps us very free. Um, and so anyway, Arthur Blessed was that man who made the 12-foot cross. He attached the bottom of it to a wheel and he pulled it and he literally walked across the earth. He went to every single country on the planet to bring the gospel carrying this big cross. And he tells the story about this one place he went into where the villagers started stoning him. Um, he comes into this village and they get so angry and they're uh, yelling and screaming at him and they take up these stones and they start stoning Arthur and they start throwing rocks at the cross and they take these sticks and they start beating Arthur and they start beating the cross and Arthur uh, tells the story and he's like, I was so excited. He said, I just, I couldn't wait. I thought I was for sure gonna die today. And he said, I just couldn't wait to die. He said, I said to the Lord as they're stoning me, I said, Lord, I said, prepare supper because I'm coming to dine with you tonight, Jesus. So get dinner ready because I'm coming to sup with you. And so he's just totally pumped because uh, he's about to die for Jesus. And he said, I was so excited. And he said, you know, it was amazing as I'm going through this crowd and they're yelling and screaming and uh, stoning me and throwing rocks and, and, and sticks. He said, I, was, I saw like the wickedness and the hate and the anger and the brutality around me. But way more than that, I could feel and see the glory of God just come all around me. And I was so taken by the glory of God, it like eclipsed the, the anger and the hatred and the evil going coming against me. I was just so aware and I was so excited to die. And he was super pumped. But then a voice spoke and said, no, go, go. And uh, Arthur said that he, he uh, realized that he wasn't supposed to die. He was supposed to keep going. And he said it was this crazy thing, a haze. It was like a haze came over the eyes of all the people and they went blind and they couldn't see him. And he walked right through the crowd and just kept trucking to the next village. And the Lord absolutely delivered him uh, from those people from killing him because they were fully set on killing him. And the Lord delivered him. But even if they killed him, Arthur was so excited. And uh, he said at the end he was almost a little bit disappointed because he had to keep carrying this cross, uh, go, walking across the planet with his cross, and he was pretty excited to die that day. He thought he was going to die, but he didn't. And I'm um, thank God he didn't because his work wasn't done yet, and he's still alive today. But that's just a story of, uh, and I've heard so many stories like that. I've heard of people who are, where guys came in with machine guns and uh, like 10 feet away just unloaded these machine guns on these people and not one bullet touched them. They all like went all over them, but like around them, but not a single bullet touched them. These stories are widespread. They're across the earth. They've been, God's been doing this stuff for thousands of years. He protects his people and he'll protect you in what he's called you to do so long as you're in what he's called you to do. And so it's important that we're obedient to his call. But even if we were to die, it's an incredible privilege and blessing and great is your reward. And so 
you know, in 2 Corinthians, again, 4, verse 7 to 9, Paul says this. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And that's what we need to understand, guys, that we are persecuted, but we are so not forsaken. Jesus is with us. He will give us the grace to go through persecution, just like we don't go through anything else in life without him. We'll go through persecution with him. We'll suffer with him and for him, and he will give us all the grace we need to be obedient and to see it through, so we do not need to be afraid. And again, in Romans, uh, it says similar language in eight, in verse, chapter 8, verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And as Arthur Blessed was going through that stoning, he got a small glimpse of the glory that was going to be revealed for him. And he, and he wasn't even like aware almost of the evil and the hatred going on around him. Like I said, he was so aware of the glory. That's not just a nice Christian verse. It is truth. That is the truth. The sufferings we go through, the persecutions we go through, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. So go through it well. Endure it. Do not give up. And do, don't you dare deny Jesus. Do not deny him, friends. Keep your eyes fixed on him and know that he is absolutely worth it. And the reward waiting for you in heaven is absolutely worth it. So keep going, keep trucking, and keep following him. There's this another amazing story that um, all these stories are documented. You can you can look them up for yourselves. But there's this amazing story um, of 40 Roman Christian soldiers uh, that were in uh, the 12th legion of the of the Roman Empire, um, uh, and I think it was in uh, 320 320 AD is when this took place. And uh, these Christian soldiers were marching through Turkey. They're going for, through a place called Savast, and uh, it was winter. It was freezing. And these soldiers are, are, are stopped at this uh, local place. And um, there was a decree that went out that the soldiers were to sacrifice to Caesar, to emperor, uh, the emperor of the time, which was Marcus Aurelius, was the emperor at that time. And all the soldiers were to make the sacrifice to him because they regarded the emperor as a god. Um, the Romans believed in many gods, but they were, were also regarded the emperor himself to be a god. And so there was a command that all the soldiers make a sacrifice to him. And these 40 Christian soldiers refused uh, because that would be to deny Christ. And they're like, I'm not sacrificing to no God except the God. Uh, and so they refused. And the, the um, commander of the army uh, came up and was, uh, or the commander of their regiment came up and was very upset with them, obviously. It's like, Ooh, there's 40 guys who are not uh, obeying my command. And he threatened them. He said, guys, <laughs> if you don't obey this, torture, imprisonment, and death await you. Torture, imprisonment, and death await you. And they uh, um, still refused. And so um, he got really angry uh, and he said, uh, Okay, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you, but I'll, before I do that, before I beat the hang out of you guys, basically, I'll, I'll give you one last chance. And the first person who breaks rank with you 40 and comes forth to, uh, to make this sacrifice and deny this ridiculous faith you believe in, the first soldier to do it, I will also promote. Not only will I forgive, but I will also promote you. And this is what one of the soldiers uh, replied to them. He said, nothing you could offer us would replace what we would lose in the next world. And as for your threats, we have learned to deny our bodies where the welfare of our soul is at stake. At stake. 
And so the commander lost it, and he ordered them to all be flogged and to be whipped with these whips that were made of metal and bone. And so these, these uh, guards come and they start whipping these, these soldiers and they just whip them, uh, and all their flesh is hanging off of them, and their cries rang out uh, into the night, and, but still not one of them uh, would deny Christ. They all held strong. And after they were flogged and uh, whipped, they were thrown into a prison to await the commander of the 12th Legion, which was a man uh, by the name of Lysias, uh, who, would, who, would come, who would be coming in a few days. And he, it was up to him to decide uh, what to do with these 40 soldiers. And so this um, uh, commander ends up coming in a, uh, after a few days and he hears about these 40 Christian soldiers who refuse to sacrifice. And so he's like, oh, I'll get them to do it. I'll make sure that they sacrifice. I'll, I'll, I'll get them to break. And he remembered on his way into Savas that there was this frozen pond that he'd walked by. And, and you know, obviously it's winter. And so he commands all the soldiers. He says, um, if you don't uh, make this sacrifice now, then strip naked and go stand on that pond uh, and you'll freeze to death uh, unless you do it. And all the soldiers just immediately started ripping off their clothes. And they uh, were excited and they ran to the pond. All 40 of them ran. And one of the soldiers cried out uh, and he said, that we are soldiers of the Lord and fear no hardship. Sing it with me, brothers. And all the soldiers sang this song of worship as they ran to the pond to freeze to death for the Lord. They ran to the pond and were just worshiping the Lord because they were pumped. And, um, you know, they're uh, freezing, obviously, it was the day. And the soldiers, the guards, um, who were there, were there were a bunch of Roman guards who were commanded to encircle them. And they're all watching these guys like, these guys are nuts. Like, what is wrong with these, these Christians, these crazy Christians? And uh, the uh, Lysias had an idea uh, to tempt them um, to, to give up Jesus and to serve Caesar. And so he ordered that these big baths of water be put out over fires and so that he would make like a, like a warm bath for them. And he put these hot baths um, around these 40 soldiers who were naked, standing on the ice and freezing to death. And he puts these baths around them to tempt them. And he said, the first uh, uh, person, he says, if you will just leave and come into this bath, we will take that as you denying this Christ of yours. And uh, we will forgive you and spare your life. Um, so you don't even have to say anything. Just come into the bath and you all will be forgiven. And they don't. They stand there and they're um, ready to die. And they are dying. And what was amazing is as the sun started to go down, the officers thought, well, for sure, by the time evening rolls around, they'll be jumping in those baths for sure, because if it's not cold now, it's going to be way colder in a minute. And so evening came, and the sun began to sink behind the hill, and sure enough, it's freezing. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the guards who was encircled around the 40 soldiers, all of a sudden, he freaks out, and he's looking above the 40 soldiers, and he says, look, look, there are spirits that have come down and there's one resting over each soldier with a crown in his hand. And he says, but look at that one. And he said, there was, there was one that was coming up and then going down, up and down, up and down, and uh, uh, over this one soldier. And he says, don't, he's like, guys, don't you see it? And the other guards were like looking at him and they're looking over at the soldiers and they see nothing. And they're like, dude, you are losing it. Like, what are you talking about? You can't see anything. Like you're going mad. And uh, the soldier, uh, the guard who saw this angel that was going up and down over this one of the 40 soldiers looked at that soldier and the soldier collapsed to the ground and started to crawl towards the bath. He had given up and he started to crawl towards the bath. And so these guards came and helped him and they helped him into the bath to warm him up. 
but because he had been so freezing cold and now he was put in this extreme temperature, his body immediately convulsed and he, he died. He died in the bathtub. Um, but as soon as the guard who saw the, the spirits, saw the angels uh, coming up and down with crowns in their hands, all of a sudden he starts stripping off all his clothes and he takes off all his clothes and he runs naked uh, into, this, into the 39 soldiers and he cries out, the martyrs be 40 still. <laughs> and this Roman soldier now, this Roman guard, uh, comes to join these Christian soldiers and was like, I want that crown. And he saw in the spirit and knew that what these Christians were standing for was real and that Jesus was the true God. So he stripped naked and he went to die with them. And he did die uh, with him. And that angel came to give him that crown. Uh, but what was also amazing is that come morning, you know, they're, they're dead. People have, you know, kind of moved on. And uh, there's uh, uh, these uh, guards that were ordered to come with a wagon uh, to load up these, uh, all these dead Christians, all these dead soldiers uh, into a wagon and take them away to burn them, to get rid of the bodies. And uh, these soldiers come upon the youngest of all the soldiers, which was, which was actually like a boy. I think he's between 12 and 16. He was just a young kid. And he was actually a local. His, his name was um, Melto. And his mother had also been one of some of the spectators. She was watching from afar this whole thing unfold, and she knew her son was there. And so these soldiers come across this, this young boy, and he's still alive. He's the only one who's still alive. And so they come across him, and they beckon for this mom, because they knew uh, the mom, and they beckon for the mom to come uh, to where they were. And so the mom comes, and, and the soldiers say to her, they say, you know, um, your boy is still alive. He's like, uh, listen to us. Take take him away, and take care of him, and nurse him back to life. And we'll we'll look the other way. We'll look the other way. And this is what the mother um, of this boy uh, responded. She said this to them. She said, "What foolish talk is that? Would you cheat him of his crown? I will never let that happen." And then she lifted her son into the wagon and said through tears, "Go, my son." Go to the end of this happy journey with your comrades so that you don't be the last one to present yourself before the Lord. And that was her response. And that was just this incredible story of these 40 soldiers who froze to death uh, for the sake of the gospel. And they knew that there's nothing this world could offer them that would make up for what they would lose eternally if they were to accept that and to deny Christ. And you know, it's what Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 32 to 33. He says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And that's just a sobering verse, guys. We need to understand that. We cannot deny him. We have to profess and confess him before men and not hide. And, you know, Jesus gives us this amazing encouragement in Revelations when he writes to one of the seven churches. And this is what he says. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. It's Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. It is not like a theory. It's not a nice Christian verse. It's the truth. There is a crown of life that God has for those who are faithful unto death. And that's exactly what happened with those uh, 40 Roman soldiers. They were well, 39 that became 40. They were faithful unto death. And the, that, that uh, unbelieving 
Roman soldier literally saw angels with crowns in their hands coming down, ready to crown them with this crown of life that would be this eternal declaration that they gave their life for Jesus and were found worthy to suffer for his namesake. It's like the accolades of heaven, if you will, and there's way more to it than I am sure I understand, but it is absolutely worth giving up your life for. Jesus is worthy of it. And so uh, it says, you know, be faithful unto death, be faithful unto death. And I also said in the very beginning, do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. I love that because it's the invitation, guys, that we can be free from fear in the midst of persecution. In the midst of persecution, we can go through it without fear because Jesus just gave us a command. He said, do not fear what you're about to suffer, which means it's absolutely possible. And so ask that again of the Lord. Father, I desire to be full of courage that you drive out all fear from my heart, that I could be obedient to you in not being afraid because that's one of the commands of the Lord. And so he'll give you the grace to not be afraid. And it's a really beautiful thing. And so um, there was another uh, man, I'm almost done guys, I'm wrapping up. Uh, but there was another man uh, in 1929 who took the gospel to Tibet. His name was Sundar Singh. And this is what he said. He went through persecution uh, as well. And this is what he said. Jesus' presence always brought astonishing peace to me, no matter how bad the situation I was in. Whenever I was in prison, he was always there for me. He transformed the jail into a heaven, and the burdens became blessings. There are many Christians who do not feel his glorious presence as something real, because for them, Jesus only occurs only occurs to them in their minds and not their hearts. Only when someone truly surrenders their heart to Jesus can they find him. And you know, that, that's just a beautiful thing that he said. And this man actually in 1929, he disappeared. He went into Tibet uh, with the gospel and he disappeared. And, and we, they assume that he was, he was murdered and hid, his body was hid somewhere. Uh, he died for his faith. And there's something else he said that I thought was really beautiful. The true Christian is like sandalwood, which imparts its fragrance to the ax which cuts it without doing any harm in return. Without doing any harm in return. That's what the Christian life is like. In the midst of this persecution, we're not getting angry and hurt and offended and upset. No, we're coming Christ like we are blessing those who persecute us. We're praying for those who despitefully use and abuse us. And we're not getting hard-hearted and we're not getting um, you know, just selfish and all consumed with our rights being violated. No, we've laid down our rights because we've died in Christ. And our only right is to lay down our life. <laughs> That's the right we have to follow Jesus and to give up our life. Uh, our lives, which, which you know, if we've been dead in Christ and we are believers, then we've done that. So uh, it's just a real important freeing thing to understand that we can lay down our lives uh, and are called to lay down our lives and do it with a big smile on our face and be excited. And you know, it says in um, Romans eight thirty six to 39, this is the second last scripture and then I'm going to be done. But it says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
you know, we often quote that, you know, no matter what, no matter, you know, life or death or angels or demons or principalities, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. But it's important that, again, we just look at what is the verse that precedes that, that comes right before it. It says, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors. In the midst of being persecuted, having our heads cut off, having our bodies ripped open, all the nasty things that a man can do to another man or to a woman or whatever, um, what, what, what people do to people, uh, is, is, is in the midst of it all, we're more than conquerors because whether in death or life, we're, we're Christ. We belong to him. And there is an amazing reward laid up for us in heaven if we go through persecution and we do it well. And so it's just real important that we love those who persecute us. People are not the enemy. Deception and unbelief and lies are the enemy, never people. And so don't ever get mad at people. We are going to be mistreated and abused and persecution will come. But let's go through it well and let's love those who do it to us and have that heart where we say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And remember that it's so important through this whole thing that we do Colossians 3.2, that we set our mind on things above and not on things of the earth. We need to understand that as we go through these things, there is that eternal perspective we need to have that this is so unto something. This is unto a much greater day. I'm not living for this day. I'm living for that day, that great day where I can stand before the throne of God with boldness because I know that to the best of my ability and by the power of his grace, I gave my life and that's gonna speak forever versus denying him and having the benefit of just delaying death a little bit longer because we're all gonna die at some point. You're just delaying death for a bit longer, but you've denied Christ. And what are the eternal consequences of doing that? Because he says, if you deny me, then I'll also have to deny you. And so it's just a really big deal that we see clear, we understand, and we don't sell short or sell cheap or sell out in any way. We are willing to go to the grave saying, blessed be the name of the Lord, no matter what man does to us, that we would go there saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. You are so worth dying for. Thanks for dying for me. So persecution is beautiful. It is powerful. It is amazing. Don't fear it. Don't be scared of it. Uh, don't avoid it. And, and be wise and ask, ask the Lord for wisdom, um, but, but don't run from it. Uh, follow Jesus and don't be afraid to go towards it because if you're, not a, if you're not willing to go into it, then how are you gonna hear God clearly if he asks you to? And so I just wanna encourage you guys, follow him. He will give you the grace to get through it and he is so worth it. So stay strong, endure it, and you will also reign with him. That's his promise and he will give you the crown of life. So keep your head up and stay strong. Abide in Jesus, spend time with him, get to know him, be strengthened in his might, get to know his voice, and be ready to lay down your life because the days might be coming where uh, we might have that privilege. And so be strong, be blessed, and I'll see you in the next video. Take care.